This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. And away we go with the Adam Ritz Show. I'm your host, Adam Ritz. Jay Baker is joining me on the phone. Hi, Jay. How are you? I am doing great, Adam. Looking forward to a big holiday season. It's right around the corner. Holiday weekend, a three-day weekend. I was talking about this on one of my other shows. Uh, it could be a four-day weekend, depending on how lazy you were on Friday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I'm looking forward to the three-day weekend, 4th of July, Independence Day. Always a great time with my family, the pool, uh, parades, uh, festivals, carnivals, and uh, fireworks to end the evening on uh, the 4th. Maybe you've already seen or even hosted some fireworks uh, on the Friday or Saturday night of the weekend, but uh, I thought we'd jump right out of the gate and talk about fireworks safety. I heard something over the week that really kind of shocked me. I mean, you all hear, we've all heard the horror stories of losing a finger uh, with some homemade, not homemade, but some backyard, uh, I guess, high, side of the highway firework. You know, remember when you had to drive to Alabama to buy the good fireworks <laughs> before <laughs> yeah. they were legal? Now there's just, there's a fireworks stand everywhere. And you buy these and you set them off in your backyard. And if, God forbid, uncle, your uncle had too much to drink and they're not paying attention, somebody gets hurt. So... Uh, a couple of key things I've heard over the week to keep in mind is the alcohol consumption. You know, if if uh, you've got some family fireworks going on tonight, maybe make sure the person in charge isn't the one that's been drinking beer all day. Uh, sobriety doesn't just help you when you're driving. Uh, it helps you when you're lighting explosives. <laughs> so keep your family members or friends that have had too much to drink away from the flame. That's uh, the first thing I heard this week that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and then the one that sort of surprised me is that the firework that causes the most injuries coast to coast is the sparkler. Isn't that interesting? Because that seems to be arguably the most inert and safe of fireworks. I mean, that's the one you would hand a three-year-old. And you just light it and say, here, hold this and wave it around. And maybe that's why it causes the most injuries, because we don't think it's that dangerous. And uh, the next thing you know, the three-year-old is is stabbing someone in the eyeball with it. So uh, just keep in mind, even the safest or what you think would be the most innocuous firework still can cause a lot of damage um, when you think about safety and injuries. So uh, the emergency rooms are on standby. They don't want to see you tonight. So... Uh, stay safe, stay sober, uh, keep a, a huge five-gallon bucket of water nearby for anything that might get out of control. You never know when an ember from a bottle rocket's going to fall on the umbrella, the patio umbrella, and the thing goes up in flames. So you, we've heard all these stories for years. Don't be the one. Uh, this is the Adam Rich Show. We're brought to you in part today by Vibonomics, an audio experience company handling in-store music in retail locations, grocery stores across the country, along with voiceover messaging and advertising between the songs. So it sounds like the store has their very own radio station. You can learn more about them at Vibonomics.com. And we've got a link to their website on our website. Just click the purple V logo on our site, which is AdamRitzShow.com. 245 years old. If you date back to 1776, happy birthday, America. 
yeah, it's a fun holiday. And as you said, a lot of moving pieces to it. Fireworks are a part of it. It's always, too, the holiday where, as you pointed out, the most amount of beer gets consumed. And you can enjoy your beer, but you got to be safe. So think in terms of that. It's also the holiday where the most number of hot dogs are consumed. Now, and I that makes sense, too. I could have guessed the hot dog thing, but I did not know that this was the holiday where the most amount of beer was consumed. Yeah, just literal out-of-the-gate beer and wine sales go through the roof for 4th of July, and it makes some sense. You have a little time off from work. Oftentimes, you might go to some type of holiday party or host one yourself. And, uh, you know, once again, if you're being safe, you're in your backyard, you're not driving, uh, just be cognizant, as you just pointed out. Don't uh, drink several beers. And then shoot off several fireworks not a good combination and when i think you know with you saying it's the most amount of beer consumed um for a holiday if i think of alcohol infused holidays you you think of you know new year's eve you think of the night before um thanksgiving you think of halloween and halloween parties so i don't really think of like partying or the party mindset behind a fourth of july weekend which and I'm I know I'm boring you to death now, but I'm bringing this up for a reason. If if you're just drinking some beer, you you might not think you're getting intoxicated, and you're having a beer. Maybe it's two. Maybe it works into three or four. Uh, the next thing you know, you're out poolside or on the boat all day, and that sun is beating on you, and you're dehydrated, and you've had several beers. You subconsciously might not think you're that drunk. And you drive home when, in fact, you are pretty drunk. And that that sun makes it worse. So please be careful, not just with fireworks, but with drinking and driving this weekend. If Especially if, if now we all know it's it's the number one beer consum- consumption uh, holiday, then uh, th- I would have to guess that it's also in the top five of DUIs over a holiday weekend as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that is not comedic on any level. So keep yourself safe. It's uh, makes uh, just makes great sense. Here's uh, something I read and I thought, now, am I reading this properly? And I thought this will be the perfect thing to run by you because you love chocolate so much. A British engineer wanted to set a Guinness World Record for stacking M&Ms. <laughs> And oh he goodness. actually, and he got don't, the don't record. T- don't tell me the number yet, because I mean, I as soon as you said that, I'm visualizing those, the uh, cross section of the oval shaped candy stacked on top of each other. I mean, I think I could do two. I, I don't think I could get the third one on top. You know, it's so funny. You have such great insight. I can rarely pull the wool over your eyes. You saying two, you'll be shocked by this answer. Is the world record the- three? The world record, well, the world record was four for quite a while. You're going to love this. But our British engineer, Will Cutbill, who lives in the English town of Solihull, now has the record. He was officially designated by Guinness. He stacked five M&Ms. I will be darned. Five. (laughs) Five. And this happened just recently, so yeah. I wonder if he had to like go to the equator or the North Pole to do it, if the uh, magnetic pull of the planet or the rotation of the Earth had anything to do with it. (laughs) Yeah, I can't see getting... Really, the second one would even be an issue for me, but two tops for me. Uh, Especially by the time I touch the third one, I'm going to eat the first two. 
Well, it's funny you said that. He ate an awful lot of M&Ms while doing this. Oh, so. my gosh. That's great. <laughs> but I thought that was great. The last record of four stacked M&Ms was held by a gentleman who lived in Italy. His name was Silvio Saba. <laughs> Silvio Saba. Hey, four. And that was all the further he got. That, so, that's a sad day for Silvio. Five is the new record. Yeah. So, yes, if you uh, have waste on a little time and you have a bag of m&ms see if you can't break that five you will be certified by guinness i'll give it a shot i'll get the giant bag and everyone that falls i'll eat (laughs) Uh, researchers at, at columbia university says that they have proven that stress causes gray hair and that sounds like a duh but the thing that they stumbled onto is gray hair may be reversible doing the opposite of stress which would be to develop some way of de-stressing or centering your mind go to the beach go relax and your hair will turn brown uh yeah stressed out you are the more gray couple of caveats though you think well that sounds simple enough because i don't like these gray hairs i'll just go relax and watch netflix but it has to do with thresholding as you get to a certain age your hair is going to go gray no matter what you do and what the researchers found is that the stress sort of gets you closer to that threshold Uh, my dad his hair started going gray when he was in his early 30s so it really wasn't an aging thing. It was just a gene in the family. Oh, wait, you're you're saying that it was not an aging or a stress thing? It was a gene? Maybe your dad, you just stressed your dad out is what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, he raised four boys, so the poor guy might have been pretty stressed. <laughs> yeah, you got uh, Steve Martin. He, I think his hair was completely white You know, by the time he was age 25. He look, has looked the same the last 45 years. Yeah, now... Uh, a- A couple of people in my life claim, oh, no, Jay, they would love to have your gray hair. But I was a little disappointed. My hair was pretty gray by the time I was in my mid-40s. Stress, baby. Stress. A lot of stress, baby. Not enough enough M&M stacking. That'll relax (laughs) you. I should have done more of that. Uh, I found this one very interesting. The IRS has some new warnings out. And, you know, the IRS is very down to earth with these warnings. And they make sense. We've talked about before on this show, uh, you might catch a news item one night. You and the family sit down and uh, they'll say local officials warn you of some new scams. Mm -hmm. And they don't give you enough specifics to really act on them. But these IRS warnings, I thought, were really good. And I think the if you are listening to this right now you could benefit greatly uh you have to be really careful of so-called fake charities because americans love to give to charities and especially when there is some type of catastrophe let's say there was a major storm in the midwest and there was a lot of property damage and people were killed and injured americans love to contribute specifically to events like that because they want to help people in need but the irs is warning that uh you need to only contribute to uh organizations that have a very specific name because you can look them up under their real name or the the actual charity needs to have something that's known as the employer identification number the EIN 
E-I-N, okay. E-I-N. And if you go to the IRS website, they actually have a tax-exempt organizational search tool. And you can search either under the real name of whatever this uh this charity is or under its EIN. And they said any reputable company would give you the EIN. Right. So if somebody says, hey, this is a flood relief for the people of Missouri. Well, they've got to have an EIN to actually legally raise money. Well, and after a, a disaster like you're talking about uh, here recently with the condos in uh, the Miami area that fell uh, if a scam artist is reaching out to you to raise money for that event, uh, a really safe way to make sure you're donating to a proper organization is to is for you to reach out to them. Um, right. Most scams happen when the scammer reaches out to an individual. Uh, the chance of getting scammed goes far, far lower if the donation is sought out to be given to the organization. So uh, that's something to keep in mind uh, with any organization you give to. You look them up. Don't let them look you up. Yeah, that's really good information because I think it's wonderful uh, that we Americans give the way we do. In fact, charitable uh, donations were up to record levels during the pandemic. And that was a time when there were a lot of people very stressed and people that weren't quite sure what might happen in their employment. So, yeah, just be super careful of that. They also uh, pointed out uh, to be super careful. Um, I hear these ads infrequently on the radio. You don't know uh, how valid some of these companies might be. But if a company proposes, if you owe back taxes, they can make some kind of settlement. And they use the phrase, you know, pennies on the dollar. You have to be a little careful. I mean, not that specific phrase, but you know what I'm talking about, where if you owe the IRS $6 million, we'll let you get under, we'll get it, we'll let you skate for five. Call yeah. this number. Right. <laughs> yeah. The IRS actually on their website as well, have that, that particular uh, mechanism is called offer in compromise and they have an offer in compromise tool where you can enter some of your personal information and you can see if you're even valid for an offer in compromise because that's the other thing they pointed out is not everybody is and so you have to be a little bit careful if you pursue action with that particular company because you on top of it you may get built and then not even be eligible. So now you're in double jeopardy. You've just mm -hmm. paid somebody to help you do something that's accomplishing nothing. Right. Yes. So I thought that that was really good. That's a good, uh, uh, very good point. Here's uh, one that I think you'll find interesting. Yale University is eliminating tuition for its drama students thanks to an amazing gift from a gentleman by the name of David Geffen. Does that ring a bell? David Geffen, uh, huge uh, whale in the music industry. Absolutely he is. He gave $150 million. And you have to be a, a drama student? Yeah, you have to be a drama student at Yale. So that means a couple of things, Adam. A, you and I would have to be drama students where we're probably the worst actors on the planet. And our chances of getting into Yale... Hey, we work radio, so what do you think our chances of getting into Yale are? 
Yeah, that's <laughs> really. There's a couple of hurdles here at the bottom of the funnel. I'm uh, I'm not getting to the bottom of this funnel to get that scholarship. <laughs> no, unfortunately, you and I may not be eligible. But I thought it was really cool. They're going to develop the David Geffen School of Drama. And for those of you that may or may not know about David Geffen, he famously founded Asylum Records, which spawned the whole Southern California sound on records. The Eagles were famously on Asylum. He formed Geffen Records, and he was a co-founder of DreamWorks along with Steven Spielberg. So he was big in the music as well as the film business. Okay, so the DreamWorks, there's the tie-in. I was The whole story, I was wondering why this music mogul uh, once free college for drama students. I was thinking he was he was so impressed with his with the music industry, and he just isn't impressed with film or TV. So he wants to get some people out there that know how to act. Yeah, because well, that's why he's giving all this money to a drama school. But it makes sense now. It all comes together. He I didn't know he was one of the founders together. with uh, DreamWorks with uh, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, and uh, I thought that was interesting. And they say it wasn't specifically because of film. It was because he had done some volunteer work at Yale University for a professor friend of his. And he was so struck by the earnestness of those students that he wanted to do something for them. I wonder if Yale gave him some sort of honorary degree. Because if I'm given $150 million, I better get a diploma. <laughs> and that's probably the only way I'll ever get a diploma from Yale. When you got to walk around Did you say Harvard? Go, was it Harvard or uh, Yale? No, it was Yale. No, Yale. It yeah, was Yale. You, were, you were in the right park, yeah. Uh, well, you and I know, you know, you get that PhD, which would actually require hard work and study so that they could call you Dr. Ritz. Although, Jay, I'll tell you this right now. I have an equal chance of getting a degree from Yale as I do having $150 million. (laughs) The two events are both similarly unlikely. And we'll tag on a third option, stacking five (laughs) M&Ms. Yeah. Right now, you've kind of found out some things. And and this show is about opportunity, but you found you might have had a couple of limitations in your life. But working past those... This show has has turned into (laughs) things Adam will never do. Here are some things Adam will never do. He'll never have $150 million. He'll never have a diploma from Yale. He'll never stack five M&Ms. What else can I do? What's your next story? The good news is you'll be very careful around fireworks. So that's, that's the right. important thing. That's right. L.A. traffic was always famously known as the worst traffic on the planet. Well, that title now goes to the greater New York City area. Believe it or not, there is an there is a transportation institute where might you ask texas a and hmm. so once again these universities doing some interesting research i thought this was cool this is how they rank whether it's specifically bad traffic it's not based on volume it's how long a driver might be delayed on any given trip so if you think about this this is an intriguing statistic to add to this not only are you in for the amount of time it may take you to commute to work, and uh, you and I have a friend who lives in New Jersey and works in New York City. Uh, his commute, uh, he's been working from home, but he said his regular commute is typically about 90 minutes each way. So if you factor in the commute itself plus the delay time, New York had a delay time 
of over, let me see, find this, over 56 hours a year. So that means there's an additional 56 hours over a week's worth of work where you're motionless in traffic. You are literally held up. If you made me guess, I would have guessed more time, more hours. 56 hours, yeah. I mean, does sound like a lot, but I, I well, mean, I, I just think if you think about that kind of gridlock traffic that, I, that you've been in, whether it was Manhattan or Los Angeles, I mean, you can it, it could take you three hours to drive five miles. Well, you know, as you well know, if you do live in an area that has uh, heavy traffic, you learn there are just certain times you don't attempt uh, certain kinds of car trips. I've, I've heard of uh, associates in L.A. going, hey, I don't get on the 110 after three in the afternoon mm-hmm. or things of that nature. Right. Uh, right. Right now, officially, New York is the worst traffic holder, Boston and then Houston. But they said to L.A., don't worry. Now with the pandemic easing, more people will be going into the office and you might reclaim your crown of worse traffic. (laughs) (laughs) So don't you worry. (laughs) How much of a, do you have a top 10 list there or uh, how many do you have? No, they just had this New York City, Boston, Houston, then the uh, two main traffic areas of California, which are San Francisco and Los Angeles, and then the list didn't go on any, any further. But, you know, there are some famous places that you wouldn't think are bad. I think Chicago can be very challenging. You uh, sent a daughter to college up there. I've spent and a lot I know of time visiting. in Chicago, and, uh, yeah, that traffic is uh, not fun, especially during the afternoon rush hour. And I would use the word interestingly because Chicago has its own driving style, I've always said you need to be prepared to be aggressive. And I know we have a show where we're promoting safety and well-being. But in Chicago, some of that flies out the window. It, the aggressive driving style is, uh, is over the top. In fact, about a yes. month ago I was there and I watched a guy in a Hummer park his car in the, in the high-speed lane. He just parked it and got out of it so he could go to the car behind him. And start yelling. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm like, in this day and age, I uh, no, uh-uh. no, I, I, I moved my rearview mirrors so we wouldn't make eye contact, and I, I moved on. Yeah, my comfort level would drop to zero if I saw that interaction. <laughs> there is a book-based theme park that encourages reading. It's heading into. The uh, greater Nashville, Tennessee area, it's uh, from Storyland Studios, who has worked in the past with Universal, Disney, Marvel, and Legoland. And the reason why they think this is going to be a great idea is a number of people are looking at uh, the middle of America as a great place to retire and live. Okay, did I hear this right? It's a book-themed theme park? Yes, a book-based theme park, um, and it's from a real highbrow company. So you and I, if we were thinking of this 10 years ago, we would have been laughed at. But somebody's coming up with this and investing quite a bit of money. Is there a, um, a Stephen King section where, where the <laughs> rides scary. really scare you? <laughs> or do you just stand in line for an hour, and at the end of the line, you have to read a book? See, <laughs> you do raise a good point. They're going to have to really work hard at what we call engagement. Yeah, I uh, I need more <laughs> Here, information your on, on exactly what kind of book theme is going on here. 
Um, Adam, here's your book, and here's a bench, and the lighting is really good over there. I'd go to the uh, Kurt Vonnegut uh, land, though. That'd be a lot of fun if they turned some of his bad. books into uh, into theme park rides. For sure. Well, maybe maybe not. Some of those books were pretty freaky. <laughs> <laughs> they were. The uh, world's oldest human being has been identified. His name is Emilio Flores Marquez. He was officially certified by Guinness. Uh, he is 112 years, 326 days old, and counting. And he's the current oldest living person today. Current oldest living person. He is a citizen of Puerto Rico. He was born on August 8th, 1908. Now, I am not super big on numerology, but sometimes when people point out certain numerology things to me, I'm going, that's a little interesting. He was born on the eighth day of the eighth month of the eighth year of the 1900s. That's his secret to longevity. That's apparently so. Yes, if you were born on August 8th, 1908, and you're listening to our show, you should call Guinness immediately, if not sooner. <laughs> That's right. You <laughs> now, know, he did, does. I, did I did I imagine this, or did you hear that? Maybe I dreamt this a month ago, but did you hear recently that uh, science is talking about how maybe just 50 years from now, the life expectancy could be 150 years? Did you hear that story? Yeah, I, I haven't heard a specific time frame, but I have heard that they think that the phrase I heard was routine uh, length of, uh, you know, lifestyle or life. What, what am I trying to say? Your lifetime. Yeah, life expectancy could easily be 150 years. That uh, changes how I'm planning my wealth in my retirement. I mean, if I <laughs> if I live past 90, I'm going to run out of money. So I don't know how that would change. Uh, can you imagine the corporate structure if you retire at 65 now and people are living to be 150? Can you imagine? Well, and you'd have to say, you know, there's there's a Ralph here in the office. He's 120, but he's very young. He's a young he, 120. He, he's a young 120. He really <laughs> loves contemporary music. Doesn't look a day yeah. over 115. No, he's taking good care of himself. So, yeah, very interesting. Now, Emilio... When asked, he said, what is the secret to long life? And Adam, when you hear this, you're going to say, sounds simple, but it's, uh, but it's good advice. Avoid hate and anger and surround yourself with love. Oh, that, uh, that is great advice. I want, is his hair gray? Is he stressed out? <laughs> his hair is gray, or with, but that's due to the threshold effect. With his mantra and his uh, his love <laughs> that he's experienced, his, his gray hair, maybe around age 90, turned back into brown hair. Well, when I saw Avoid Hate and Anger, I thought to myself, we know Emilio does not have a Twitter account. No, and he doesn't live in, <laughs> in Manhattan or Los Angeles traffic patterns. <laughs> No, absolutely not. But I always find that so very interesting about sometimes you have very simple mantras mm -hmm. and it turns into something that, you know, hey, the guy's lived over 112 years. So maybe he's on to something. Well, let's uh, wrap up the, uh, I guess, holiday edition, 4th of July extravaganza that was this episode of the Adam Rich Show. i uh, got about two minutes left here uh, with one of your favorite Fourth uh, of July memories. Do you have anything that comes to mind? I'll just I'll start and I'll talk about uh, my family just watching fireworks. I mean, every year we 
from when I was a little, little kid. We'd jump in the car and drive somewhere and just park. We'd have our own snacks and we'd watch fireworks. Uh, and now as a, a j- older gentleman myself, we still do that uh, with my kids who are now grown up too. So the firework viewing has just been uh, a big part of our lives. Anything jump into uh, your mind as far as uh, your favorite 4th of July traditions? Yeah, same here for me. My dad, uh, we grew up in uh, central Indiana. It's flat as a pancake. And whenever there would be a big fireworks display, it'd be like, uh, yeah, you can kind of barely see it over this one tree if you squint and stand on your, you know, tiptoes. Uh, he finally figured out that there was a park here in Indianapolis that if you went there and you got there early and you scouted out a spot, it was a perfect view of the fireworks. And that was my dad's big surprise to us kids was uh, when he got that all figured out, he goes, come on, we're going on a little trip. And we all pile in the car and we're sitting on the hill. And I just remember how, what a great night that was. Cause that was probably the first time I'd really got a chance to see the fireworks show clearly. The Baker secret fireworks spot. <laughs> the secret spot. Well, there was a few other people when we got there because the, he wasn't the only one that figured it out. <laughs> but he he was in sales and he was driving through this park and he realized, hey, wait a minute, that hill looks right at the building they shoot the fireworks off. So it was it was a pure brilliance on his behalf. That is great. All right. Well, stay safe this weekend. Uh, with fireworks, backyard fireworks, with uh, with alcohol consumption, be safe, uh, stay hydrated. Don't forget the hot sun uh, as you carry on through the day. You're going to need some hydration uh, to get through to the evening. Uh, thank you again for listening to The Adam Ritz Show. We are on Twitter, at Adam Ritz, and on Facebook, it's slash Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.